Well, welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast. Larry Kruger joined by Ryan Smith as we talk a little 49er football for all of our 49er fans abroad and, of course, around the world. All right, Ryan, week one goes to the Bears. Bears beat the Niners at Soldier Field uh, in what turned into a quagmire in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bears get a win. They they dominated the second half of the game. Niners led at halftime, then it was 19 nothing Bears to finish. Give me your takeaway. You know, on this podcast feed, I believe that uh, we uploaded sort of our instant reactions. And, you know, we had a pretty good little funny debate going for like 30 minutes on the play of Trey Lance. And it's, you know, how it affected the game. I got to say, you know, a couple days later, I've cooled off. I rewatched the tape. I watched the coach's tape. And Trey played much better than I thought he did. He... The conditions were also worse than I realized. The wide receivers could not get any separation. Jeff Wilson, we can say, oh, maybe he's, you know, a little bit past his his prime. He's not the same guy. He couldn't cut. You know, he could only go straight. He couldn't cut. And if you watch the way Trey was running, he was running like a fullback, like uh, Mike Barks said. He was running like a fullback, but that's because there was no ability to go laterally in that in that in those conditions. So I actually thought Trey, I have to say, I was expecting those deep passes. I was expecting them to be wide open and kind of just a Shanahan, you know, Nick Mullins got those throws. But actually, they were better throws than I realized. And yeah, that one missed opportunity to Croft was brutal, but... Overall, I I was pretty happy. I went through and I was like positive or negative for every single play or neutral. And it was it was way more positive than negative. I mean, Trey actually looked more poised. And um, I just got to say, I think that this the, the, the conditions affected the Niners so much more than the Bears. So. Well, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things you can say about this game. I mean, why did the 49ers lose to the Bears? I mean, it's easy to say, ah, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, and we'll get into Trey Lance. Uh, He made some great throws. He missed some throws. Uh, He had a fourth-quarter interception to Eddie Jackson where he threw it low, and Jackson read, read his eyes, and he stared down his receiver. And, I mean, that's what young quarterbacks do. They stare down their receivers. They hold the ball too long. Trey held the ball too long on a third quarter screen pass that led to a penalty where Jake Brendel was downfield, um, you know, legally downfield because because Trey held the ball too long, and that was a key third down. He overthrew Tyler Croft for what could have been a first quarter touchdown pass. Um, he threw behind Jawan Jennings on a third and three. Uh, he missed a, a second quarter screen pass to Debo Samuel. Um, he threw the ball too low on third and nine in the second quarter, uh, and that caused, a, a, you know, led to a punt. Missed Debo on a swing pass in the third quarter. but And to me, one of the bigger mistakes was the third and goal play in the third quarter where Trey held the ball too long and took a yes. sack yes. and took him out of field goal range. So he made some mistakes. But, you know, we're talking about a 22-year-old quarterback, and that's the one thing I think people kind of lose sight of in this thing. It's a 22-year-old quarterback who didn't play very much in college and is making his third NFL start. And I saw this today. Trey Lance, his third NFL start last week against the Bears, his final numbers, 13-28, 164 yards, no touchdowns, the one pick, and they lose. Josh Allen, who right now, in my mind, might be the best quarterback in the league. His third NFL start, he was 16 of 33, 151 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. 
You know, Trey Lance is 22. When Josh Allen was 22, he was completing 53% of his of his passes and had more touch, more interceptions and touchdowns. Mahomes, when he was 22, wasn't even starting yet. So I think people just need to put the whole Trey Lance thing in perspective. But why did the Niners lose? Too many penalties, too many, um, too many missed tackles on defense. Debo Samuel fumbled in the red zone. Uh, Mike McGlinchey got beat for a key sack by Dominique Robinson on a third down in the first quarter. That ended a key drive. Uh, the Niners at times lost contain on Justin Fields. Drake Jackson and Samson Ebukam both lost contain on Fields for some big gainers. Then you took away Elijah Mitchell. You know, he got knocked out with a second quarter knee injury and didn't play the second half. Jeff Wilson didn't run nearly as effectively in the second half as Mitchell had done in the first half. Uh, Sammy Womack dropped a pick six. Could have been a pick six in the first play of the game. Tayshawn Gibson dropped a key interception in the third quarter. Uh, and then... And then the penalties. I mean, let's get right into it. Trey Greenlaw had two horrible penalties that extended two Bears touchdown drives. Green and Hafanga had a communication breakdown on a busted coverage that led to the Equinemia St. Brown touchdown. The defense had a brutal busted coverage on the Dante Pettis touchdown in the third quarter where, you know, Fields ran to his left and just kept his eyes peeled on Pettis and the Niners lost him in coverage. We'll hear from Jimmy Ward later at during this podcast about that particular play. Um, Char- Charvarius Ward had a really bad call go against him on a defensive hold on a third and nine that extended a drive when he was trying to defend Pettis and he was locking him up and it should nev- never have been called. That extended a drive. Um, I thought Kyle Shanahan kind of blew it in this game. He opted to punt on fourth and one in the third quarter when the Niners had lost momentum after the Pettis touchdown and they were still up 10-7. They're they're fourth and one on their own 41-yard line. They're not backed up inside their 10. Well, it was just after Lance made a, you know, he made something happen on third down. He got, I think, seven or eight yards, got him to the one. So, yeah, you would have thought with the flow of, of how things were going that they would have gone. Well, and the one thing Lance looks good at right now is he's a big, strong kid with leg, strong legs, and he can push the pile. So you can't get I mean, to me. He's like one of the best quarterback sneak quarterbacks just on that alone. You get <laughs> maybe a only behind one. maybe only behind Jimmy. And Tom Brady. Yeah, Jimmy's good at it too. But, I mean, this is a bigger, stronger kid who pushes the pile. He almost looks like a fullback. So move the pile on fourth and one. Take the momentum back. I thought that was a crucial mistake. And then Aziz Al-Shair. I mean, come on. Justin Fields slides down. You go helmet to helmet. That extended a, a Bears drive. So ultimately, I think a couple takeaways. One, on the positive note, Trey made some incredible throws. Um, I thought he looked really, really good at times. And I expected him to look raw. And, and the things that he didn't do well, that's what young quarterbacks do. They hold the ball. They stare down receivers. Um, you know, they lose track of defenders. That's why young quarterbacks struggle. But I thought Trey really showed his poise in horrendous conditions. And then Talanoa Hufanga is, uh, is a burgeoning star. Man, he looked terrific. Uh, Debo Samuel ran over Eddie Jackson on that touchdown. That I was mean, awesome. just buried him. That was fun. I will say, though, Debo, upon rewatching, you know, he had some great runs and, you know, he always gives it his all, but he was getting zero separation. The only receiver yeah. that was really getting any separation at all was Juwan Jennings. Though I 
Ayuk on a couple of those over routes got got separation. Elijah Mitchell looked really good. I thought Charvarius Ward looked like a true number one corner at times. Javon Kinlaw, especially early in the game, looked overpowering. Uh, Jawan Jennings. I mean, Juwan, you put Jawan Jennings on a football field, and he's just going to compete. I thought he was impressive and made a couple really nice plays. And then despite the penalties, Greenlaw and Al Shair at times were totally dominant versus the run. So they just have to minimize their penalties. Those are great young players. They just have to minimize the penalties. So where are we? I mean, Shanahan is now 2-4. and four. This is year six of Shanahan. He's 2-4 and four in week ones. Um, I think one of the things that that surprised me in this game was the Niners defense held the Bears to 26 total yards on their first five drives. But then in the fourth quarter, they were struggling to stop Khalil Herbert in the run. And and he went untouched into the end zone um, on a touchdown on a touchdown that made it a two score game. So it was a crucial defensive stop and they couldn't get it. Um, I don't want to see the Niners run uh, Trey Lance on these power runs where he takes hits. To me, your volunteer, I, I don't want to volunteer hits on the quarterback. And to me, design quarterback runs do that. I mean, that, that's career, one of the biggest. I would yeah. say, I, 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 to me, it's more about a debate about a number. What I mean, you're going to run your quarterback at times, especially somebody as physical as as Trey. When what would you cap it at? I would say three or four designed runs per game max. And if they're if they're quarterback sneaks, that's fine. Uh, if it's fourth and two, third and whatever, short yardage, that's fine. Two or three times a game max, not nine, not sixteen like we saw in the Arizona game. Um, and and then I would say the overall takeaway outside of you know Hafanga just looked like an incredible player was that teams are gonna are gonna rush three and rush four and drop seven or eight into coverage and make Trey Lance prove that he can be accurate as a passer make him p- prove that he's a pure quarterback from the pocket prove that he can be accurate and we're gonna find out if he can do it I mean um, he missed a lot of passes in this game he's a young quarterback I think he'll miss fewer as time. Time goes on, but that's what teams are going to do to him. They're not going to speed him up. You know, you have two options with young quarterbacks: speed him up and hope they make a mistake um, and not find the open guy. But Trey processes well, and he's a smart kid, and he understands what he's seeing pre-snap. So it's really for him not about the processing. Uh, it's more about the accuracy after he's processed what he sees and he knows where he wants to go. How accurate can be can he be with the football? And that's going to improve over time. But right now, he's missing a half dozen of those. And hopefully, as Steve Young said this week, you, maybe you can take that from six to three and from three to one and, you know what I mean, take that down and, and work on that. But that's his challenge, uh, Rye, is that he, they're going to drop seven or eight into coverage. Uh, they're going to make, they're going to have all kinds of defenders out there and they're going to demand that Trey throw into tight windows. And his accuracy is going to be, uh, is going to have to be, improved or he's going to struggle yeah i mean I, I think his processing is still a little bit of a work in progress i bet certainly it's better than justin fields i gotta say just watching the tape he certainly processed better than fields um my big question with the running is like was that part of shanahan's game plan just for today because of or i mean not today because of Sunday with the conditions uh, or is that something he is going to do going forward I guess we'll find out in this next game versus the Seahawks Um, as far as like the defense goes you know 
we're, we're giving a lot of slack. I'm personally, I'm giving a lot of slack to the receivers, running back, Trey. I'm giving a lot of slack to the offense because of the conditions, but we're, we're not really giving any slack to the defense. I do believe that the defense deserves some slack layer. I, I, you know, the second, I mean, the first half, they were completely, utterly dominant. The second half, I mean, there was the two busted plays. The one play was honestly, it was Fields being, it was doing what he does. He, you know, runs a 4-3. He's, he's has had a ton of time back there. He's rolling out. And, and you know, you just... You just can't, the defense can't hold up. The secondary can't hold up for that long. So, you know, that was honestly just a really good play by, by, by fields. And, um, as far as the penalties go, that has to be cleaned up, but also, you know, that's a, it's tough. I mean, fields is not a guy like Lance that's going to run into you. He's a guy who's going to get down and slide. And with the way the conditions were, I mean, it was, there was a few of those were tough. Like with Greenlaw, there's a few where it was like, you know, fields goes down and it's like, what, what is Greenlaw supposed to do? Like you can't even touch. Touch the guy now after a slide, but again, not going to blame too much. I mean, that, to me, I hate to say it, I, yeah. I blame Shanahan and D'Amico on those. I mean, yeah. where's your team's discipline? Where's your team's poise? You have to know the line. That's what coaching is. You got to explain to the players where the line is, how the game's going to be officiated. Um, that, to me, that one's on Kyle, and or at least and, make and Tim, adjustments. And, and really, more specifically, it's on D'Amico. He's the yeah. defensive coordinator. If, if your guys are making those kinds of undisciplined plays, you got that means you haven't emphasized that enough in practice. Mm. I mean, Aziz Al-Shair, he, it's like love him, hate him on the next play. I mean, he stuffed David Montgomery with a huge solo tackle yeah. on second and four to set up that third and one. And then, you know, he, he personal fouls helmet to helmet on Justin Fields when Fields was sliding down. That was the third 15-yard penalty on the Niners of the game on defense. Where's your team's d- discipline? Where's your team's poise? Um, you know, and to me, I mean, not only did he did he cr- cost the Niners, you know, the drive had to continue. It also he also got hurt on the play. I think he had to be checked for a concussion after yeah. that play. So it was a bad play all the way around by Aziz. It was a little overzealous. The Niners linebackers are awesome, yeah. but they just have to dial it in a little bit because that's the way the game's going to be officiated. You're not getting. I mean. Just don't go out there thinking, don't go out there playing to live for the detonating hit on the quarterback Yeah, because the detonating hit on the quarterback has now been legislated out of the game. And you're going to wind up doing, we saw this at the end of the Harbaugh era as the rules were beginning to change. Hits that were, you know, Brooks had a great hit on Breeze in the, in the Superdome, but no, they, it looked bad. And so he got the penalty. That's where the league is going. They're going to protect the quarterback at all costs. And defense be damned. So stop living for the detonating hit on the QB because in more times than not, you're not going to get away with it. It's like you almost need two things to happen right. You need to hit him perfectly, and then you need everybody to not legislate the impact of the hit, but just the target, and it leaves yourself open to penalties. And it just they got, you know, I thought some of them were ticky tack. The first one on Green Law on the sidelines. You know, you got a 220-pound quarterback who's right there inbounds and Greenlaw dove at him on a wet field 
And, you know, kind that didn't really hit him, him, just kind of went over the top of him yeah. and caught him with his knee a little bit. And all of a sudden, it's like personal foul. So, yeah. And, and just, you know, it's just a different way the game's being officiated. And Dan, Dan actually brought up on the immediate post game, and we both kind of shut him down the, the idea of how much of this is, you know, the lack of playing starters in the preseason. And I kind of scoff at that, like, oh, come on, you know, the smart guys, McVeigh, he always does well in week one. But if you look at this year, I mean, the teams that their philosophy was not to play starters in the preseason all came out sloppy. The Packers for the second year in a row came out super, super sloppy and undisciplined. The, uh, you know, uh, who, who, who's their, their coach that moved to uh, Denver? Hackett. Denver Hackett. Denver came out looking. I mean, Seattle played their guys in preseason and Denver looked like, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it looked like Hackett could have uh, used some preseason time himself. Well, it's, it's a great, it's a great question. That's the, really the trade off. Do you, would you rather? rather have um, your guys like in rhythm, like looking at Geno Smith to go 23 of 28 in week one against the Broncos, you could see he's in a rhythm. Well, you know, Pete made the point. Hey, look, he looks the way he looked in camp. So in other words, you're right. I mean, they, they, uh, they played their guys and they hit the ground running or the other side of the coin is, Hey, would you rather sit your guys out and make sure that your money is on the field come week one? Maybe your team's a little rest, a little rusty, but it's a long year. And, you know, the Rams just won the Super Bowl doing the extreme, which is sitting almost all of their regulars throughout the entire of the preseason. So I think you're going to see more teams go in that direction because the goal is not to be fresh in September. The goal is to be peaking in December and January. Yeah, it's like four different seasons. Um, And then that point you made on Josh Allen, you know, we kind of were, were, you know, going back and forth on Trey. And I guess my my thing is like, there's, and we are going to get to this as a topic later in this podcast, but, you know, it's like they're doing two things at once. I guess I think that... The reason why I was critical of Trey right off the bat and why, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, come on, you know, it, it just makes sense. He's going to take a long time. But the my issue is like, that's what I thought coming in. And there was a lot of people that thought, okay, he's going to be a clear upgrade over Jimmy G. You know, uh, he's going to come in, like hit the ground running and at least be able to, you know, do 90% of what Jimmy does. And by the end of the year, who knows, he might be like a Pro Bowl level guy. Um, And the Josh Allen comparison is great. Like, I think I think he is on that track. and I do think he's going to get there. But the problem becomes, you know. It took Josh Allen a couple of years, and this is a Super Bowl-ready team. So how long do we stick? How long do the Niners stick with the Trey Lance, uh, you know, experiment if they start losing ball games? Or, I mean, my biggest concern is I think that they can win a ton of games with Trey Lance if they're playing for in front. When they start getting behind, that's, you know, that's uh, to be determined. We, we got to see him be able to come from behind. And I mean, I think it was unfair to ask that of him in the fourth quarter of a torrential downpour. But, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward, I suppose. You know, I, I think it's also as much on, uh, you know, people want to put it on Trey. I, I'll put it more on Shanahan. I thought the game plan against Arizona was not great uh, in Trey's first start. And I thought the game plan against the Bears and, and the combination of that, it was a conservative game plan. It was a run-heavy game plan. Um 
And I thought there were some overrats there. I thought there were some opportunities there. I liked what I saw from Trey throwing it down the field. But then the conditions impacted the thing dramatically as the second half wore on. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, at one point he was 8 of 14 in the third quarter and the Niners had a had a lead. Um, and... And, you know, there was, it was, I think it was 10 nothing, 10 nothing 49ers, and he was 8 of 14 at that point. And then that's when the skies started to open and j- the water started to impact the game. And I'm not saying the water through the pick. He stared down his receiver. Eddie Jackson made a play on the ball, you know, but I mean, a rookie quarterback at 22 making his third start when, it, when he's the most inexperienced quarterback to enter the league in the first round in like four decades gets picked in week one by a savvy veteran safety who read his eyes. Shocked. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Come on. I mean, that's that's like par for the course right there. All right. Before we get into our debate topic of the week, which Ryan has hinted at, the Niners have two goals, uh, and that is develop Trey Lance and win the Super Bowl this year. Those are their two goals, and it's clear as day at this point, and we're going to get into that uh, coming up in a few minutes. Which goal is going to take priority? Which goal should take priority? How's the whole thing going to play out? But we just talked a little bit about Bears-Niners, and obviously there were we gave you our takeaways. Um, there were a number of people around the NFL, and this is going to be a weekly occurrence, by the way, because the 49ers with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are far and away the sexiest subplot of, of the National Football League, regardless of team. We're covering the 49ers, but people everywhere, they're talking about their team, and then they're talking about Garoppolo and Lance and the 49ers. Yep. And you think, well, that might be over overstating it. No, it really isn't. It's a it's a drama made up of of an ascending young quarterback, um, a quarterback that's taken his team to the Super Bowl, arguably one of the NFL's deepest and best rosters, a Super Bowl contender. And this is a in a major market, and this is one of the bigger debate topics in the NFL. So what happens? Everybody's got an opinion on Trey Lance. On the international man of mystery. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's gonna park their car at Trey Lance and just die and just go off on it. Why? Because it gets hits and it gets traction and people like talking quarterbacks and ESPN loves talking quarterbacks and everybody wants to weigh in. And of course, there's going to be uh, comments on both sides uh, of, uh, you know, of how good's Trey doing. Some people think he's a disaster and will be replaced, be, you know, three, four weeks. Other people think that he's, you know, an MVP candidate. At the beginning of the year, Lewis Riddick was describing him as, as a potential MVP candidate. I think that was probably overstating it. Um, and and yet there are people like Peter King, who's pretty respected, who, who's come out and said that he will be replaced by Jimmy Garoppolo by week seven as the starter. So there's a lot to get into on Trey Lance, um, and we'll debate that topic in a minute. But let's get to some of the overreactions yeah. and listen to them, and then we'll comment on those. You know, you can deflect this and say this was on penalties, but this game shouldn't have been close. I mean, the Niners were by far the better team on tape. They were by far, but they they, they couldn't do anything. There's going to be growing pains, and at times it's going to look horrific. But he's, he's got to be out there. I mean, why? Why you got to put him out there? I mean, you, you went drafted to the Super Bowl him. with the other guy. I mean, Kyle's 38-43 and 43 as a head coach in the regular season. 31 of those wins came with Jimmy Garoppolo. So he's 7-29 and 29 as a head coach when he doesn't play Garoppolo. 
Like, you're going to lose the confidence of the team. We can all masquerade this, but the defense is playing a doubleheader out there, you know, and you're running the ball. They must have run, they must have run more jet sweeps than ever, right? Yes. I mean, they're, they're running jet sweeps. I mean, they ran the ball effectively. You can tell that he was not comfortable at any point during that game there, but I just think that they made the bet on Trey Lance in April of 2021, so... By hook or crook, this is the situation that they've put themselves yeah, in. There's a thing called sunk cost fallacy, you know, and, and what you're, you're, you're playing into that. Since we did it, we got to keep going. But at some point, I would say Kyle's going to blame it on the penalties. Okay, that gets you through week one. You lose another game? Let me tell you something. You put Lance's on tape now. These defensive coordinators are too freaking smart. They see the same thing I see. Hey, he's throwing to the guy he reads. When that game, when they got behind 19 to 13 and it became a pass game, watch that tape from that point forward. Watch that game. That's when you have to evaluate the quarterback. When it became, I got to throw it, can you? Can I throw it? And he couldn't. How about the people that bet Trey Lance for MVP? Like, seriously. I think can those I tickets send are dead. You, <laughs> can I send you St. Jude's number, please? Uh, they call me. St. Jude's calls me at least once a week, you know, for a donation. Can I send you those people that number? And can I send the people that were recommending that? that can I send them some, some you know, like, seriously, where did you come up with that idea? As you said, this guy hasn't played enough, and now you he think he's going to go from not playing to the MVP of the National Football League? You got no respect for the NFL when you make that statement. <laughs> Trey Lance. Number three pick. I think it's the right pick. I think he's a bigger, stronger athlete than Mac Jones. I know Trey. I like him. I think he's a really good kid. This is 6'4", 220, big arm can run. He has as many starts as Mac Jones. But unlike Mac, didn't have the protection, didn't have the receivers that were wide open. Every scout I know, every executive I know loves this kid. This is the move. I'm sorry, but I can't go low ceiling with Mac Jones. Can't do it. That's great. Yeah, baby. Kid earned it. Couldn't be happier. Can Trey Lance play? You can blame the weather, folks, but if a pilot crashes a plane, you can't go, well, it was raining. You got to be able to land a plane in rain, and you got to be able to play a court. You got to be able to play football in rain. Brady spent 20 years playing in Foxborough. Blizzards, wind, cold. You got to be able to figure out how to land a plane in that stuff, and you got to be able to play quarterback in that stuff. I don't want to hear about rain. Justin Fields had to play in it, too. So I've got evidence now. Last year, two starts. This year's preseason and yesterday. That's a lot of evidence. Trey Lance completes about 50% of his throws. That's it. You can't start in this league at 50%. Uh, I want to change gears here and get to Trey Lance because we mentioned how you can't draw too many conclusions right now. Let me, let me add a little bit onto that. If you were playing in a monsoon and the first time the team has been handed to you, and George Kittle is not playing, and you're not running the ball like you traditionally have run the ball, maybe let's not get carried away that Trey Lance didn't look fantastic in that football game. I, I went back and, and charted it and watched it, Buck. Um, he had some nice throws on some deep overs before the monsoon took over. Um, some of the issues that he had are easily correctable. Like, for instance, you're playing in wet weather, and they were trying to throw some smoke screens, and he didn't get a grip on the football. So you see the ball kind of float out of his hand, and he missed some of those. He had a handful of drop passes. 
um, you know, design quarterback runs. He had, I, I went through and there were nine runs. I think they had eight carries, but nine runs. So they had a couple quarterback powers, a couple zone reads, a couple quarterback draws. Uh, there was a sneak uh, in there as well. But I'm watching this game and I'm watching how this unfolds and I'm saying, okay, let's get George Kittle back. Um, let's play in a little bit uh, normal weather. And then let's crank up the runs a little bit. You you talked about Jalen Hurts the other day. What do you have, 15 carries, 18 carries, something like that the other day? Seven, like, 17 Trey carries Lance, of the night. Yeah, Trey Lance, that's the blueprint right now until he can get a little bit more comfortable. Let's let's use him more. Let's run him more. And when I look at his mistakes and some of the things, like they they, they dropped a safety down and robbed, and hit, that was his pick. He didn't see the late rotation, and they got him. That's just playing. He just hasn't played. So when you get that 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 catalog of reps and you start seeing things, you know, not just for the first time, he's going to be fine. I just want everybody to kind of just slow down on this this panic. That, oh my gosh, they're going to go right to Jimmy Garoppolo. They tried to give Jimmy Garoppolo away for a, for a ham sandwich. They couldn't get anybody to give him one. I would just like to think that it's an ongoing evolution. Uh, Cal Shanahan is trying to figure out how to play with the young quarterback. The young quarterback is trying to figure out how to play in the system, and they're also trying to integrate the pieces around him, it'll take time. Let's check back in four weeks. Let's check back in eight weeks. Yeah. Let's see how he's progressing throughout this season. I know this. He can only go up. He can only get better because you can't get any worse than what he did today. I'm just shocked, shocked at the Bears. I mean, they took this quarterback. They went up and spent a lot to get him, and he was he was less than remarkable would be the kindest thing that you could say about him. I don't know if I've ever seen such a bad performance by a quarterback in his opening performance of the season. Like He was just completely awful. He really deflated the football team with his performance. They just, you know, when you get a quarterback, they can't do anything at all. And defensively, you shut him out basically for a half. You kind of lose hope. <laughs> you know, right now they're a team without hope. I want their, I want their eyeballs. Yeah, I've never seen anything about this kid that was it, it, encouraging at all. He really has to plan himself to make a good throw. Uh, he's not a quick decision guy. Everybody's shot in the rear about him being a, a mobile guy making plays with his feet. He looked like a fullback stumbling around trying to run the ball to me. I mean, he's not Lamar, <laughs> you know. So I don't know what he is. He, he's not particularly a good guy running the, with the football and. Based on what I saw today, I mean, he, he missed two guys completely by themselves. Uh, I know it was in the rain, but you know, quarterbacks do that. You, you make those throws. Um, I know this. He can only go up. He can only get better because you can't get any worse than what he did today. Uh, I've never liked him. I still don't like him. Um, I don't know. I'd like to know what he does so well because he, he's not a great passer, doesn't have good skills. Takes him a long time to set himself and throw the football. Misses easy throws. And he's not particularly a runner. He's a hell of a player. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, we just heard some sound from uh, Mike Lombardi on the GM Shuffle podcast. We heard some sound from Colin Cowherd a little bit uh, right after they, they picked him. And uh, I believe that was a Twitter video and then uh, led into uh, the, the segment, you know, uh, discussing lands for the week then we got um a little bit more of a reasonable a reasonable take i would say from uh the great i'll oh, shoot and i'm spacing on his name the daniel scout. jeremiah, daniel jeremiah. Lucky brooks yep 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 well i mean okay and then mike march there at the end yeah um a lot of interesting stuff there yeah a lot of interesting stuff this is right, why they're let, so let, compelling let's talk let's start with lombardi uh will shanahan shanahan lose the locker room 
Well, I think we're down in the locker room. We're in the, the locker room. The one thing that we can say about the guys who just commented, Lombardi, Colin Cowherd, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Mike Martz, is that none of them, I haven't seen any of them no. in the no. locker room. No. So we are there, uh, and they aren't there. And all I'll say is to a man, they appear to believe uh, in Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a very popular guy in the room. Every guy who you ask about Trey Lance um, looks you in the eye and gives you a very earnest, we believe in him. I haven't seen any indications of anybody not believing in Trey, but I'm also not naive. And the NFL is a win now business. And it really comes down not necessarily to how Trey plays. It comes down to the wins and the losses. If the 49ers win games, Trey will be afforded um, a very long and, uh, you know, learning curve. And he'll be given a lot of chances if they win games. If they lose games, the hue and cry will be from the media and from the fans and maybe even a few voices in the room that the season can't be lost and, um, you know, get Jimmy in there. But is Jimmy a significant upgrade from Trey? That's the baseline question. And I would say the answer to that is no. Um, but I thought Lombardi, that is the question. Will Shanahan lose the locker room? I do think it's interesting the stat that Lombardi threw out that Shanahan as a head coach is 7-29 and 29 with any quarterback that's not Garoppolo. If that, if that number's accurate, that's a pretty daunting stat, uh, but it also speaks to how bad the number two quarterbacks have been in San Francisco. Uh, Lombardi also made the point that, that Trey stares down his receivers and he has spotty accuracy and he questioned his confidence and then said that Kyle tried to take the ball out of his hands by running it as much as he did. I don't think there's any doubt that Trey needs development. He does stare down his receivers. So do a lot of young quarterbacks. His accuracy is spotty. So is a lot of young quarterbacks. Um, He can't manipulate defenses with his eyes, and he really needs advancement and development on that that trait, that skill, which is quarterbacking 2.0 or 5.0. I mean, it's not, you don't just, you're not just born with that. So he's got to play more for sure. He needs more experience. So that's basically what he was saying. Um, and that Shanahan will lose the locker room if he stays with them too long. I, I'm not sure when there is a point, and we'll get into this next segment, but there is a point where they won't be able to keep going with Trey if they're losing games and Trey is the reason they're losing games. Yes. But if they're losing games and Trey's not the reason they're losing games, Trey's going to be in there. And I think he's got the full support of the players. All right, then let's jump to Coward. Um, you know, he basically asked the question, can Trey Lance play? But we also heard Cow- Colin Coward on draft day saying, this is the man. Yeah. Um, and now here we are three games into the career of the most raw first round quarterback we've seen in our lifetime. And he's done a 180 degree turn. And now, you know, rain is not an excuse. And I've got evidence now. I've got evidence. I've got evidence. Two, two games last year where he was thrown in and then some preseason games. And then his so first I don't week. know. I don't know what Cowherd's got going on. I know a lot of people have questioned the, the fact that his daughter and Lance may have yeah. dated, but I, I'm not going there because I don't know anything about that. All I'll say is that is a very quick 
this is the this is the move on draft day to three games into his playing career, total one eighty. Who? What is he? Can he play? Um, the rain's not an excuse. I mean, it wasn't rain. It was a it was an absolute monsoon. So, and then the whole idea that Trey that uh, Justin Fields handled the rain and no. Lance didn't. By the time the rain had come, the Bears had timed it perfectly. They had gotten a lead. They basically stopped throwing the ball. They just were handing it to Herbert. So the Ra- Bears were running it in the rain. In the in the biggest part of the rainy day, they were running it. And the 49ers were looking to play catch-up and had to throw the ball. So I think that, that does impact things. Okay, so now let's jump to Jan- Daniel Jeremiah. Um, he points out that he played to Monsoon, that he played without Kittle, that he played the second half without Elijah Mitchell, and that Trey made several nice throws on the deep over routes, that there were a handful of drops. Now, is it, it the drops on Trey or the drops on the receivers? He doesn't throw, he throws a very, you know, a high speed wobble, which is sometimes can be a difficult ball to catch. So some of those drops may be on the quarterback. Um, and actually, surprisingly, him and Bucky both agreed that they want to see more designed runs i to me want to see fewer designed runs yeah but if, or at least a different like stop running power with trey lance well stop designing runs i mean if you want to use them in, in as a quarterback sneaker that's one thing but don't design runs if you design a run on a, for a quarterback he takes a hit every single time if you let him scramble i mean he's going to take off and scramble because of the struggles of your o-line and just because he'll get impatient in the pocket as many young quarterbacks do and so how many times realistically when do you want him running in the game? And if you have nine or ten designed runs and then you get a half dozen plays where he scrambles, now he's running 15, 16, 17 times a game. That is not a sustainable offense. No. You cannot and you got to ask risk reward. Um, they're saying run it more. I'm not risking this player um, by running it more. I mean, that's to me, he hasn't played. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I love Jeremiah said, hey, look, he hasn't played. He's going to be fine. And then he pointed out that no one wanted Jimmy G, that they couldn't find a trade partner for Jimmy G. So, um, you know, and then Bucky made the point that the 49ers are still kind of experimenting with who is Trey Lance. That's what it what feels like. What is Trey Lance? Yeah. And he says, check back in four to eight weeks. So of all the the commentary, I thought theirs was the most balanced in that I don't agree with the idea for more designed runs, but I would, but I have no problem seeing Trey scramble. But I do think you're going to see improvement in the next four to five games. And I do think they're kind of experimenting with who is he? How do we utilize this special talent? Um, how do we utilize Trey's talents and put him in the best position to succeed? Um, but I thought I want to see more of those deep over routes. I want to see the Niners become more of a down the field passing attack. I'd like to see Danny Gray be activated and then challenge Seattle down the field several times uh, in week two. So and then and then the March thing, the March thing is really bizarre because he just was so incredibly negative. So scathing. I mean, so scathing. What does he do? Well, he looks like a fullback. Uh, you know, I've never been a fan. I'm still not a fan. I'm, you know, I mean, he couldn't say more negative things. He now his technical breakdown was that Trey needs to plant himself to make good throws. 
Um, you know, he said, I don't know what he is. So, and there's no question because we're still seeing, I think the 49ers don't know yet exactly what he is yet. He questioned the accuracy, but then he went on to say, he's not a great passer. Um, he misses easy throws. I've never liked him. So he basically, and then he admitted at the end, well, other than the fact that he's not a great passer and he misses easy throws and he runs like a fullback and I have no idea what he, you know, I don't, I never liked him ever. Other than that, he's great. You know, it's like, so I, all I'll say is Martz seems like he was one, like somebody put him up to doing like a negative rip video on two on, on quarterbacks. And he just went at it because, and why do I say that? Cause he was on 95, seven, the game in August and he didn't have any negative things to say about Trey Lance. So now, based on one start on a rainy day in Chicago in week one and a little bit of preseason stuff, suddenly you're totally off the, this quarterback. That seems a little that seems a little knee-jerk to me. Um, but what I see more than anything is I just see a young quarterback that needs some, needs some time, and that kind of leads us into our whole next topic, which is, how do the 49ers do both of their goals this year? How do they how do they, you know, develop Trey Lance and have the goal of winning a Super Bowl and does one of those have to take priority over the other? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And what I'll say about all of those interviews is if you kind of take out the extremes of everybody and you kind of just look at okay, what is the common thread that they're all saying? Really they're all saying I don't know what he is. I don't know what he is. He's super raw. He has all these traits. I don't know what he is. There's no precedent for a guy to come in so unproven with no, you know, legitimate big time college tape. And now all of a sudden he's the starting quarterback for maybe the most deep, most talented roster in the league. So you can have a lean like Lombardi that they're leaning. Well, I don't know what he is and I don't think he's going to figure it out this year. I don't, I don't believe in that. Jeremiah is like, I don't know what he is, but let's give him a little bit of time to kind of show what he can be. Uh, it, It just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the main takeaway is just everyone needs to lower their expectations, but also let's not go crazy. He, he's going to develop, and this team is so dang good that, I mean, God, if they played that te- Bears team in the turf, or I mean, uh, in a dome, and it was the ex- exact same game script, I think the Niners win like 35 to you know, 18 or so. I, I'm not sure, but well, it's all, it's also kind of makes you wonder. I mean, who are the premier young quarterbacks in the game today? You know, okay, it's forget Brady and Rodgers and those guys. You say, who are the premier young quarterbacks in the game today? I think there's three, right? Maybe four. Maybe five if you want to throw Watson in there as well. Because who yeah. knows? Watson, he might be his own category, but he's a special talent. There's Joe Burrow. There's Justin Herbert. And then you got Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Well, some of those guys like Josh Allen were were pretty raw. He was raw at Wyoming. He completed like 50% of his passes. He struggled early on. Um Mahomes has been a far better pro player than he was in college. Uh Burrow obviously was a record-setting player in college. But I mean the the point is just that a lot of times these guys have big time physical traits. Herbert, Mahomes, and Allen specifically, when I think of them, they all have the big arm and they're athletic. Um, and and, it, and it's like, so you have guys who have traits that you're then coaching up. 
Trey Lance has incredible traits. He's a big, strong kid. Um, he's smart. He, football's important to him. But he hasn't played a lot of football, and it's going to take some time. And I think what my common denominator on all this thing was accuracy. You know, his accuracy needs to improve. And he needs to be able to move. I mean, one of the things that, like, Brock Purdy can do right now is he can move the safeties and manipulate the safeties with his eyes because he understands as a veteran quarterback how to do that. Uh, as a guy who's played a lot, I say a veteran, he's a rookie, but a guy who's played a lot of football, he understands already how to manipulate safeties and move safeties with his eyes. It's something that Rodgers does, you know, expertly. Brady does expertly. Well, that's a learned skill. And that's, that's you know, that's something that Trey doesn't have right now. So he's going to have to develop that. And that takes time. That takes reps. So how, the question then becomes, how much time will the 49ers give him? How much time should they give him? Um, should they prioritize winning over Trey's development? Or should they prioritize Trey's development over winning in 2022? That's really the question. I think you got to always prioritize winning. Always. And so even though you want Trey to develop, um, you got, you know, Trent, Trent Williams is 34. And you got a bunch of guys in that room. You owe it to your football team more than you owe it to the feelings of your young quarterback to do what's right for your team. But then the question then becomes, how much of an upgrade is Jimmy Garoppolo really going to be on Trey Lance at this point? And eventually, you got to think Trey Lance, if he improves well, with the with the ability that he has, the mobility, the arm strength, so on and so forth, that he will be a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. But there's nuances to the position, like manipulating safeties with your eyes, and everything's happening at a million miles an hour. So there's no guarantee that Trey's ever going to get there, um, but he's not going to get there if he doesn't play. You know, we kind of know that. So what, it, what would be your answer, Rye, if I say... We all know the Niners have two goals. Develop Trey Lance, win the Super Bowl. Which is going to be prioritized? I think that there there is also a third thing that is to, to be kept in mind, and that is, you know, if Trey is not ready to compete and take them to a Super Bowl as the season goes on, you also can't you you can't destroy his confidence. So that's another delicate thing that's in the balance. So, you know, it you have to prioritize winning. I think you give Trey Lance, you know, whatever it is, six, eight games, as long as they're winning ball games, even if he is, you know, isn't, you know, coming from behind in victories. If they're just ahead in these games and they're and they're getting wins, I think you stick with them. Uh, you know, when I close my eyes and I envision how a, a Super Bowl season goes for this team, I, I think it's going to include Jimmy Garoppolo at some point. But guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt nearly every year. So you can't destroy Trey's confidence. If Trey, if Trey, you know, if, if Jimmy, if they go from Trey to Jimmy and then Jimmy gets hurt down the stretch, we, you know, it's Trey Lance. You need Trey Lance. You need him mentally to be there for a playoff run. So it, it is. It's just so dang confusing. And it's like we we compared it to you know the Golden State Warriors this year. I mean they they threaded the needle. They 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 were able to develop and they won the championship. And a lot of people criticized them for you know keeping Kaminga and Wiseman and all these young guys and not trading for a proven star. And guess what? They look like geniuses now. But you only look like a genius. If you win the Super Bowl. So um, 
I, I'm not sure. I also think that another underrated thing, and I, Larry, I give you credit. You 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 really brought it up in the post game. Is Kyle's play calling? I think Kyle, in addition to Trey, Kyle needs to kind of figure out. He's he's developing an offense around Trey Lance. He's used to Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, you know. And then he had RG three for that one year. But RG three is a different kind of runner than Trey. It seems almost like he's treating Trey at times like he's RG three. And Trey, you know, he's not a fullback running back there, but you know. And he's not Lamar Jackson. He's a good runner. He needs, but he needs, I mean, they're not going to win if he can't throw from the pocket. So um, I I just, you know, I I think that the most responsible look on this is everybody lower their expectations a little bit. We got to give it six to eight weeks, see how the offense develops, see how Trey develops. And you know, what's interesting about Trey and what everybody, uh, you know, opinions or not. I think of it kind of like, you know how they tell you that, you know, let's say your kid is in eighth grade and they're like, okay, this is a good time. You should, you should really get your kid to learn Spanish because what happens is as you're growing up and you're, you know, I guess, I don't know the science behind it, but your brain's not all filled up or whatever. You know, if you're growing up and you have a nanny that speaks Spanish, you'll just pick it up at six years old. But then if you put an 18 year old, that's like about to go off to college and you tell him that he has to learn Spanish, it's going to take him longer because he has like stuff in his brain already. I think of Trey Lance as like a six-year-old and and Kyle Shanahan is his nanny. I think that he has the ability to pick up so much more and improve so much more um, than, you know, a guy like, let's say, Brock Purdy or Mac Jones that's already kind of has an established identity and has done it. I feel like he is is marble and Kyle Shanahan thinks he's, uh, I don't know, Michelangelo, whoever, you know, does those statues. And I think he thinks that he can kind of mold him into the perfect quarterback um the perfect you know new age quarterback that will fit this offense and the offense will grow alongside Trey so that is that's that's the hope I think and um I know I just rambled a lot there Lair but what is your thoughts on 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 this kind of conflicting agenda well I mean I, I would like to see fewer quarterback runs and more moving the pocket and using his mobility dash left dash right roll left roll right move him out of the pocket use his mobility to 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 you know, because I to me he's not a runner per se. He is a guy who's got mobility within the pocket, and he can um, he can move and dodge defenders. And I think that's an imperative uh, skill going forward when you look at how athletic NFL defenders are. But he should be a guy that instead of running him, use his mobility to move the pocket. And move, and then keep his eyes down the field, and then make, and then attempt more down the field throws. Um, I want to see that. I want to see. I don't want to see nine designed runs, and I don't want to see quarterback powers. You want to you want to do quarterback sneaks or some read option stuff, uh, maybe a couple bootlegs, you know, and short yardage and that kind of thing, and use his mobility, get him on the perimeter, fake the run inside, bootleg away from it, that kind of stuff where he's one on one with a defender. I don't mind that, but no more of these drop him. You know, he's in the shotgun at three yards deep, and you your power running him with no lead blocker like he's going to pick and slide like he's Marcus Allen in a short yardage situation or he's going to be a power you know like a Larry Zonka move the pile with his fullback I mean I don't mind seeing him as a quarterback sneaker maybe you know some as some runs like I've described but I'd rather see them move him as far as move the pocket let him keep his eyes peeled down the field and do what Jimmy didn't do well last year Jimmy was never 
never a good late in the down thrower. He was like a first read guy. Otherwise, his percentages went way down. I think Trey could be the opposite. I think Trey can be a guy that might be able to bust contain, create a few extra, kind of like the Debo play he made in the Texans game yeah. last year where, you know, he, he broke outside the pocket free to give himself a nice little landing spot still uh looking downfield Debo frees himself up and then Trey takes that arm strength and just throws a laser down the field I think that, that there could be a lot of big plays there for the 49ers so that's what I'd like to see I think overall though people just need to be more patient yes Joe Montana was in the 79 draft he did not play every day sat behind DeBerg for a long time he did not play until 81 he had his he was the starting quarterback in 81 where that's when he became the full-time guy um you know, Trey needs some time to, and he, Joe Montana played at Notre Dame and was far more uh, developed a quarterback than Trey Lance. Trey Lance is an incredible athlete. He needs development. Um, hopefully, Brian Greasy is the right quarterback coach. Hopefully, Kyle and his offensive coaching staff know how to bring along a young quarterback. But I'd like to see, to me, giving the defense nine hits on your starting quarterback is just not smart risk reward. And I, and more importantly, I do not believe it's sustainable. So it, it's one of those things where if the goal is to get Trey hurt, then keep running him 15 <laughs> times a game. If the goal is to develop him, then run less and, and move the pocket more and use his mobility to give himself more time to make plays down the field and take more shots, activate Danny Gray. Uh, I realize, you know, you've got special teams concerns and you can only have so many receivers up. But Danny Gray, with this particular quarterback, is a game-changing receiver. And I think they need to activate him and go to him. Yeah, and, and you know, I'll say this about Trey. I was actually a little concerned about Trey's running. Last year, just in the two games he played, I was kind of like, what is his is he really even that athletic? Like, I, I mean, he's a good athlete, but, you know, he was doing a lot of things that looked like he was, you know, getting, he was playing a game at North Dakota State. This year, watch, rewatching the tape, rewatching the coach's tape, I got to say, his running, if you looked at Jeff Wilson, once the game started getting sloppy with the rain, the guy couldn't cut. He couldn't, he couldn't get more than two yards. Trey Lance, Actually, that was the best rushing I've seen him do and the most wiggle he's had and the most athletic he's looked. And that was in the rain. So I actually think that he will show now that he's a little bit more comfortable, I think. And in a little and he realizes, you know, you can't just take on defenders in the NFL. Uh, I think that his his mobility is only going to improve. And I really I was really surprised to see that, you know, it wasn't a lot of funky spirals. There was a few where they slipped out of his hand in the rain, but that's to be expected. He actually had a lot of touch on the, on some of these passes that I was not expecting and, you know, good spirals. And so honestly, as an, I was kind of negative after the game and, and, uh, Maybe that's a little bit. That's that. Maybe that's my own issues with. I, I just got you know. I hated the way that everyone. Well, no, the Niners should have yeah. won that game. They should have won the game. They I mean, Mike Lombardi said it. They should have won that game. They were far and away the better team. They're yeah. not going. And guess what? They're not going to have. You know, they got a Bears team that basically had no offense, and they still couldn't. They couldn't put that team away. Yeah. You, now this week they're getting Geno Smith. He's got a lot more momentum going as a passer, better receivers, and a more developed offense. 
offense, and then things start to get, and then you start getting into the the Brady's and Mahomes's and the Stafford's and the Kyler's. They're all on this schedule. These teams are going to be able to put points on the board. Can can the Niners and Trey Lance score points? At the end of the day, you can say what you want. You got to score points, and you got to win games. And so, how long can they go with Trey Lance and develop him if he's not scoring points and they're not winning games? That's the question. And I would say. It's it's really that that's the 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 one question that only Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch probably know the answer to. How willing are they going? How far down this road are they willing to go developing Trey Lance? If by chance they're scoring, you know, they're not scoring thirty a game. They're scoring fourteen a game, and they're not winning games, and they're losing games, and suddenly, you know, their Super Bowl season is going down the toilet. How, you know, is it is it two weeks? Is it three? Some people think it's two weeks. I mean, if they I've lose, had people yeah. tell me this week that if the Niners lose to the Seahawks and the offense is in any way part of the reason um, that that they'll look to move to Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, I to me that would be shocking and that would be knee jerk, but. You don't get a lot of time in the NFL to develop. I mean, I think when I watch Trey Lance, I've got a couple thoughts. One is he's he's a great prospect, a great prospect, strong, willing, wanting to get better, great athlete, um, can take hits, really athletic, uh, a lot of arm strength, lot to like. But also, it's going to take some time. And it's not necessarily going to be in an instant. And it may not even happen this year. I really believe that Trey will get there and be great. But, you know, I brought up Alex Smith before. It took Alex Smith a while. I've brought up uh, Vinny Testaverde. I've brought up names like Eli Manning. These guys all became Pro Bowl quarterbacks, but it didn't happen overnight. And so... There's no law that says that Trey Lance has to be good overnight. Um, but unfortunately, he's fortunately or unfortunately, football's easier for Trey than it is for some of these other quarterbacks because he's on a better team. But there's also way more pressure and scrutiny to produce and produce now because you got a Super Bowl ready roster and everybody's not going to wait for you to develop. So uh, I liked what I saw in game one, even though there were a lot of inaccuracies. Unfortunately, get ready for more rain on Sunday because from what I'm reading, it's an 80% chance of rain in Santa Clara for week two, Niners Seahawks. So get ready for another rain game and we'll see if Trey can handle. I don't think, uh, I think the field that Levi's will drain much better than Soldier Field did. I can't imagine the conditions will be as bad, but you still may deal with wet conditions and a wet football. Um, And We'll see, you know, in a lot of ways, Geno Smith is not near the quarterback prospect of Trey Lance, but he's also been through the rigors of, uh, you know, several NFL seasons and he's a veteran and he's carrying some momentum into this game. He was 23 of 28. So he's a number two rated quarterback on PFF. Not that that's the gospel, but you know, it's an indicator. Yeah. So get ready for another tough game. And, um, and, but I would say, you know, I would say the the goal has to be winning over Trey's development. The question is, will Kyle Shanahan feel like going from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo gives the team a better chance to win? Or are they losing games because of other reasons? Uh, and then will he stay with Trey? 
It's going to be to me. It's the it's the defining question of the 49ers season is which one takes priority: development of Trey Lance, who they obviously have invested a ton in, and you could argue that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are totally wed to this quarterback, and their futures are tied to his success. But they could also, you know, they could also have a lot more patient fan base. And I think people overall will be a lot more patient if somehow they won the Super Bowl. And I think deep down they understand that dynamic as well. So um, this decision of when to, how long to go with Trey and how long to prioritize his development over winning a Super Bowl, it's the question of the year. No, it, it absolutely is. And with that as a backdrop, uh, you know, I guess we've got to get into predictions for 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 this next week. I will say <laughs> one comparison I got to make uh, to this situation is, all right, I, I don't know if you've ever, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen Apocalypse Now there. Yes, I have. Okay, so there's a great... Long time ago. Long yes. time ago. There's an excellent documentary on Apocalypse Now and uh, how Francis Ford Coppola... I mean, it just literally... they they sur- Making the movie was like being in the movie. Charlie Sheen went insane. He had a heart attack. People were going crazy. Oops. Um, and, uh, you know... I'm Stan or uh, Francis Ford Coppola. He had some money from the Godfather movies. He invested all of his money into this project. And it, by all accounts, everyone said it was a disaster and going over budget and taking too long. And they're in, you know, in, in a different country working with that is what it feels like to me. It feels like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are Francis Ford Coppola and Trey Lance is their apocalypse. Now they have everything invested in him and there's going to be reports about how it's not going well and all this craziness. But ultimately, I believe in those guys. I believe they will get it done. I believe in Trey. I think that this thing is going to come together. And with that as a backdrop, we get into this upcoming week versus Seattle. And I'll say this. You know, it's stupid to say something's a must win this early. But if we, if, if you want to keep playing Trey Lance, this is a must win. I fully expect there, there could not be a better spot for a monster game for Trey Lance and the 49ers. The Seahawks are on a short week. They are coming off an emotional win over Russell Wilson. They have all, you know, they, they, there's that fog of, of winning. And guess what? You can't, you, you just can't imitate uh, desperation. And the Niners right now are hungry and desperate to prove that last week was an aberration. I fully expect the Niners to come out and whoop the Seahawks. Uh, my score prediction is going to be 28 to 15. I think Trey Lance has a great game. I think Shanahan dials up some deep balls. I expect Danny Gray to be involved, or if not Danny Gray, somebody else. Um, I think they're just going to have a monster game. I think the defense is going to be huge. I think turnovers. I think that uh, this Seattle team, you know, this is just how it goes. If you're if you're looking for, if you've not used the Niners yet, or hopefully you haven't in your uh, survivor pool, I am putting a stamp, a lock the Niners win this game I'm not sure if they cover the spread but they are going to win this game rain or not and Trey will play well um you know I I think the 49ers are a dangerous play in week two now it all sets up for the 49ers it really does I mean as you said Seattle uh you know traveling and and the 49ers um you know at home and and you know this I, I just think this is a it kind of sets up for the 49ers to have a real bounce back and then when you look at that spread you know it's it opened at eight it went to 10 
Now it's back down to nine. Um, I like the 49ers to win, but I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to be a, uh, a you know, 21 17, still more of a low, lower scoring game. I think 49ers will find a way to beat Seattle at home, but there'll be still questions going into week three because I just think there's, they're, they're not, you know, Trey's still going to miss some passes. Um, the 49ers don't have Elijah Mitchell. There's a very good chance they're still not going to have George Kittle. Did not practice on Wednesday. We are taping this on Thursday. We don't know his status for for uh, for the game. But there's a very good chance you're not going to have Mitchell or Kittle. And you're still going to have Trey uh, tra- trying to, you know, complete passes. Um, I don't know if Danny Gray is going to be active or not. I'd like to see him active. But um, I think I think Geno and the Seahawks, you know, the, the Seahawks have owned the 49ers. Granted, it was all been with Russell Wilson. But I think the Seahawks are like 8-1 and one or something like that in their last nine against the Niners. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say the 49ers get a win, but it's more like 21-17. Okay. I, I like those predictions. And, uh, you know, the last thing I kind of want to touch on before we get to Jimmy Ward, who uh, gave us a great – great preview and a great breakdown of the Seattle, you know, how to, how to defend those, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK and man, Jimmy Ward's just the best. But, um, what do you think is going to happen with the running backs? Cause I saw, I think it was Barrows. It might've been Mayoko reported that in fact, uh, this whole time during camp, there has been a competition between Ty Davis price and, um, Jordan Mason, to be that third running back now to be the second running back. And that actually the reason why TDP was inactive was because Jordan Mason beat him out in camp, which is what we kind of all saw. I mean, Jordan Mason guys got, he's got elite balance. He, he looks like a monster. It's just, it's weird because his college stats weren't phenomenal, but it, it's going to be interesting this week. I think there's a battle between Mason and TDP and uh, whoever you know, practices the best. Uh, we're going to see him at that person active. And I, I expect them to get a lot of touches uh, to compliment Jeff Wilson. Yeah, no, I mean, Wilson's going to get the first crack. And then, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan has pointed out that Mason and, and Ty Davis price will battle it out. They also picked up Marlon Mack. And oh, I've, love heard, Marlon Mack. I've heard people suggest that they may activate Marlon Mack. Uh, other people feel like he's just there for depth and they won't activate him. But I think it's um, it's really between those three guys, Mason and Mac and Ty Davis Price. So um, I think Ty Davis Price is probably the best of the group, you know. And I and and yet I don't know if he's as trustworthy as Jordan Mason. Um, Jordan Mason did look good, and he had you know he averaged five point two yards a carry his final year at Georgia Tech. I like how hard Jordan Mason runs. But I think Price is a little bit more breakaway speed. Mac may even have, despite his injuries, may even have more speed than Mason. I'm, I'm not sure who to predict there, to be honest. I, if you if you said, uh, um, you know, who do you think it's going to be? I guess I would lean towards uh, Jordan Mason, but I personally would go with Ty Davis Price. I think Ty Davis Price is is a is a is a more of explosive back, a little bit more speed. I liked what I saw as far as his effort in camp when he was in the pass blocking drills against the linebackers. There were several times where he stonewalled Fred Fred Warner, and Warner's a you know a Pro Bowl uh, linebacker. So um, 
I probably would lean with Ty Davis Price. It sounds like they may lean with Jordan Mason, but don't rule out Marlon Mack. Check for that on Saturday and and make sure if you're looking for this going into the game, it's one of those things you're going to have to study it right right up to kickoff with the inactive list and see who's made active, who's made inactive. Do they call up Marlon Mack from the practice squad? Does he get the run? He's the veteran. I mean, the safest play would probably be to go with Marlon Mack. But... um, they, it sounds to me like they're going to go with Mason. Uh, so that being said, I'll say it's Ty Davis Price. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so I would just say if you're trying to play a 49ers running back in fantasy, just don't. Just wait a week. Uh, I think this is uh, the whole backfield is going to be really clarified after this week because see, you can run on Seattle. You saw Denver was gashing them with Williams and and uh, Melvin Gordon. So I expect a lot of gashing, especially in the rain. And I think we'll have the the, the running back position a little bit figured out. And with that. Um, let's go to our uh, interview with Jimmy Ward. You know, that's funny. We thought, who do we want to bring to the podcast this week? Who's going to give us perspective on a loss? And when you go into the locker room, it's very difficult to get a good perspective on games. Why? Because um, if you win, guys oftentimes don't want to... dwell on it because they know you know you're you're only as good as your next performance they don't want to gloat they don't want to pat themselves on the back um so it's hard to sometimes get guys to talk after a victory after a loss it a lot of times becomes a a blame game and they'll never point the finger at a teammate nor would you ever want them to or expect them to uh they don't like fingers pointed necessarily at them so I thought Jimmy Ward would be perfect. Why? Because he is one of the best players in the NFL, uh, one of the absolute leaders on this football team, incredibly smart, incredibly candid, and he did not play. He is on the IR for the first four weeks of the NFL season. So he saw the game and watched the film and obviously cares greatly about, about the team on both sides of the ball. But he didn't play. So in a way, Ryan, I think it's almost like the best guy to talk to because it's not the criticism. If any, you know, thing could be perceived as criticism, it's not personal. It's not directed at him. It's like more clinical. It's like, hey, you're smart. You know football. You weren't out there one way or another. If you were, I'm sure things would have been better since you're one of the better players on the team. But give us your clinical analysis of this loss and where this team's at going into from week one to week two big game with Seattle on Sunday so in a lot of ways I thought you know what Jimmy Ward is the guy that we want to talk to this week and man he didn't disappoint did he no he did not and uh with that we'll lead into the unfortunately we can't include the beginning of the interview very very beginning he made a hilarious joke about uh dropping down to a jock strap to get camera ready that uh Trey Lance thought was hilarious and we all thought was hilarious but I made sure to cut that out to protect the man all right and with that uh here's Jimmy Ward all right, we're in the Niner locker room with one of the veteran Niners, Jimmy Ward. And Jimmy, uh, obviously a tough loss for the team in week one. You weren't out there, but and they missed you, I'm sure. Uh, give me your perspective on it, because I'm sure you have one. Uh, you know, we just we try to contain the quarterback. Uh, the defense did a great job, but, uh, you know, eventually, you know, some, sometimes something happens and a you know, bus play here or there, and the guy, you know, he's he's getting paid too. He's, he's a really a phenomenal talent, uh, and he ended up making a few plays and I feel like uh, if we could have you know limit those those big plays and we could have came off with the win but we didn't 
the busted plays? I mean, the one to Pettis. What's? Who, I mean, who is there a coverage blow up there? Was it Greenlaw read the line? The running back underneath. What was the bust on that play? Just a total breakdown, man. That's what happens, you know, kind of with these scrambling quarterbacks, man. When they can extend the play, and you know, the zone can only hold up for so long. Man coverage can only hold up for so long. So I just feel like it was just uh, Justin Fields, just being him, you know, being uh, Justin Fields. What can you give the young guys in your room to help, you know, kind of get beyond week one and focus on week two? Because you've been through it before, and you know the clock's ticking, and there's no real time to dwell on the loss. Uh, really, just you know, it's a long season. Yeah, you know, pitch your uh, best foot forward and, and look ahead, and you know, focus on next week. You know, each week is going to be a new team with a new scheme. You're uh, you're a guy who, hit, you know, a lot of people say hits like a linebacker, covers like a corner. What part of your game do you enjoy more? It seems like you love blowing people up, but then you do have that man-to-man coverage ability. What what do you think your greatest strength is as a player? I like both. It just depends on the type of players I'm playing. Uh, some guys I, I like I like to do both. Like if I'm playing against a guy like DK or, or Lockett, I, I like to cover him, but I also want my my coach to call a play where I can just blow him up. To let them know my presence here, and they, they won't. They'd be scared to catch the ball if they know somebody right there is about to hit them in their rib cage or their patella. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys don't 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 get up too fast if you hit them in the right spot of the knee or you hit them in their rib cage. Uh, that's just my mentality. Like, uh, but I love the cover too. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, uh, how do you feel to get recognized on the top 100 players list? I mean, I saw you know Sherm's been preaching on on Twitter and I guess through his new podcast. You know, he's, he's always talking you up. He's like, man, that guy's going to be all pro this year. So uh, how'd that feel? And uh, does that add any extra confidence going into this year? That's cool. I, I really did the same thing. I just got more turnovers. Oh, shout out to Sherm. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sherm, that's my guy, though. But, no, nah, it, it was cool to actually make it on the top 100. I didn't think they was going to pit me on it. Uh, that's why I'd be coming out each year trying to kill somebody. <laughs> just because I'm like, okay, I play against y'all, and y'all didn't vote me in. Okay. We'll see about it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever day that is. If my coach dial it up and I get an opportunity, I'm going to make you feel it just for not voting for me. And I'm going to do that again just for being 96. So you tell me there's that many other safeties better than me that can cover better than me and hit better than me. So we'll see this year when I get back on the field. It's Seattle week. Give us something on, on DK or on Lockett. They're different receivers, but they're dangerous receivers. Lockett, fast. Uh, he's going to do more. More, more posts, more corner posts. They like him in, uh, with the double moves. Uh, DK, he's more he's stiff, so it's just going to be nine balls, comeback slants. He's a big body. They don't want Lockett. They don't want him coming in the middle nowhere trying to catch balls because he doesn't weigh as much as DK. So that's kind of how they're going to use both of those wide receivers. Uh, like I said, DK, he can take more of a hit. He can take more hits because he's a bigger body, and Lockett can't take so many hits. So they're going to keep him on the outside and make him run double moves and corner posts and posts and stuff like that. What do you think of the tight ends? Parkinson's 6'7", Disley's a veteran. They used both of them most last, this last week. They're going to run trick plays with them, like uh, a versus my safeties, I don't I don't feel like they get open in the man coverage. So gonna, if they catch the ball it's gonna be in zone. Like I don't I don't see them catching too many balls with the safeties how we cover here.
Mooney and Womack added to the secondary. Obviously, to me, that was my takeaway from week one is just how scary the Niners secondary potentially can be. What do you think of the new additions? Oh, I love them. Sammy is a ball hawk. Mooney, you seen what he, he just did. Like, Justin Fields, I, th- I feel like the head coach just told Justin Fields just to throw the ball up to see what happens. And he threw the ball up twice on Mooney's side, and the ball wasn't catchable from neither side. So you see what he brings to the table. He's a big body, and, and he can tackle too. So that's, that's a great addition to the team. I know uh, turnovers are a bit of luck, but uh, was that an emphasis at all this year? Like, you know, get some more picks. Seems like in the Shanahan era, uh, you know, haven't been as many interceptions and turnover ratios. Little uh, we switched some calls up. We're gonna be nice, able to, we, nice. We, we, we switched some calls up. We're gonna be able to see the ball more in the, in the, in the back end. It's like it's it's hard to catch. It's hard to catch picks in man cup. Yeah, <laughs> like we we be fighting for our life, so it's hard. But zone coverage, we can see the ball. Like when we switching it up and some of the calls that he has, like you see how uh, uh, Huff caught a pick. Early yeah. in the game, you yeah. know that's just—I just feel like that's only a taste of what we what we gonna do this season. I, I feel like we're gonna get our uh, hands on a lot of ball, and that's the linebackers included. And you never know—you probably see some D line and get some. <laughs> I gotta—I gotta ask you about Huff. I mean, you've been—you've been with the team for a while. He's impressive, man. He is impressive. And it, to me, what's impressive is how he diagnoses so early the the mesh point on the handoffs, the run plays, and he aggressively attacks. Give me your thoughts of, on his progress. Seems like every time I watch him, he's better. That's an instinct, bro. He has something that you can't teach. And it's him watching a bunch of film that makes him even more faster. And then he's understanding what he's going to get. He understands if this guy blocks, engaged on the DN, if it's a double team, you know, he can he can play fast. And that's what he's been doing. Like this first game, oh, even in preseason, he's been playing fast. He hasn't been hesitating. No hesitation in his game. And it's normally, that's normally who wins, the guy who doesn't hesitate in his game. And it's all film study? It's all based on film study, huh? It's all based on film study. It's the coaches coaching them up pretty good. Uh, coach CU and, and Coach DB, they coaching them up pretty good. And it's Huff being Huff, you know. Huff is a tremendous talent. Does he have the best hair on the team? Uh, yeah, definitely. I need to go on. All right, that does it from the Tales from the Bay <laughs> podcast, edition Thanks, number man. two. Thank Larry Kruger and Ryan Smith. Hope you enjoyed uh, the dialogue on the 49ers. Hope you enjoyed Jimmy Ward. How good's Jimmy Ward? Oh, way? my gosh. I, I love Jimmy Ward. Uh, I, I want to see that guy out there, man. And it was really interesting to hear all the criticism and uh, kind of report cards on Trey Lance. We may make that a regular on the podcast because <laughs> I get the feeling that – you know what? Everybody who talks football for a living is going to develop an opinion on Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49er quarterback situation. And this is going to be the gift that keeps giving yes. to the podcast. So we'll continue to bring you that. But I thought a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I don't agree with everything I heard from Michael Lombardi or Mike Martz or Daniel Jeremiah and uh, Colin Cowherd. But you know what? Um, it's interesting. It's all thought-provoking. It definitely makes you kind of critically, uh, you know, break down what they're saying, why they're saying it, make it makes you filter them. It makes you wonder about some of the points they bring up on the quarterback. And uh, yeah, I'll say this, it's the most exciting story in the NFL, Ryan. You and I are lucky enough to be able to, uh, to capture it and discuss it and break it all down right here on the Tales from the Bay podcast week after week after week. Sunday cannot come soon enough. All right, with that, uh, I'm Ryan Smith, Larry Kruger, uh, and that's the Tales from the Bay podcast, week two.